you're tuning in to Tazian Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania each weekday at 9am and for those listening in Tasmania you can catch us again at 4.30pm um, each weekday as well. I'm your host Tabitha Zachariah and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston and uh, David will be wrapping up his 2021 presentations with a program titled The Amazing Love of the Coming King. Welcome David, how are you today? I'm well thanks Tabitha, how are you? I'm well thanks David, how's the week been so far? Oh it's been very busy, No, but that's okay, it goes fast. It does, yeah, and mm. as long as it's manageable, it's good to be busy. That's right, it it's is. Good to be occupied. Um, so, David, um, yeah, you've been sharing. This is the thirty-second uh, program, is it? Yeah, I can't believe I've been sharing that much about myself. I know, it's, <laughs> and every, I think every single program you've shared a story um, mm. about you, your family, your experience, or you know, some sort of something that is a bit personal to you and um, we appreciate that you've shared so much with us Um, do you have something else to share with us today? Yeah, I've been leading up to this final challenge and so I wanted to share this today, this was probably the culmination of all the challenges I've faced in my Christian walk um, up until that point (laughs) (laughs) challenges don't seem to stop, but that's fine Mm -hmm. Uh, but I thought uh, this was one that I would help that that would share that would possibly help others who may be going through a series of challenges and not really knowing where they lead so there's a verse in the Bible in Hebrews 11.1 1, that says faith is the evidence of things not seen. Mm-hmm. What the Bible means by that is that faith is what we do even though we don't see the, the promise of whatever it is we're looking forward to. And the evidence of the way we behave actually shows that we have faith. And I I actually say that faith has its grounding in evidential actions. So the the things that you do, the actions that you do, actually display the kind of faith that you have. So from all the stuff that I've shared so far about the challenges in my Christian walk, you'd see that by 2008, Mm -hmm. um, I was now willing to follow God wherever he led. He'd shut these doors, he'd opened other doors, I'd left the Air Force. Um, I'd, I'd gone in this big circle of different kinds of work and he'd closed all these doors along the way, um, leading me the direction he really wanted me to go as I was willing to go. Mm-hmm. I tested his faithfulness, uh, followed some difficult circumstances by this time, um, but but by this time I knew that whatever came up, whatever would arise, uh, if I was following God, le- God's leading, he would provide whatever was needed, mm-hmm. whatever we needed, wherever we needed to go. So I was in Western Australia at the time, and we were already doing much of the work of a pastor in a church. So we were doing Bible studies. We were leading out in sermons. We were um, uh, visiting people. We were doing a lot of the things um, that a pastor would do already, and I was a, a, an elder there. And one of my pastors suggested that my wife and I go along and listen to some other pastors that had come to talk about what the life of a pastor was like and what a calling into ministry was like. I didn't want to do that because I, I'd, I'd been in, uh, in and around pastors and church life for over 30 years and I saw how sometimes pastors got treated and I thought, ah, that's not for me. 
Anyway, during the week, um, so it was on a Saturday, during the week, that following week, I was having some challenges at work and I was realising the futility of the work that I was doing. My highlight of the week was going and studying the Bible with people after after work. Mm-hmm. And and work was had become a drudgery um, only because they had outsourced my team, they'd moved people off, they changed the format of what we do and it just seemed like they were driven by money and they weren't really, you know, they didn't really have the same care for people that they used to have before and so i had this dissatisfaction that was building in my life um, for work anyway as i was sitting at my desk this particular day uh, really i actually had my head in my hands on the desk and it felt like someone hit me in the head and i sat bolt upright Mm. and i had this epiphany why why am i doing this why am i wasting my effort in work that is unappreciated and doesn't really amount to anything. Mm. I thought, if I was a pastor, still be the same workload, you know, I'd be doing 60, 70 hours a week like I was doing in business. The end of the week, I'd be burned out. There'd still be uh, problems every week. Uh, People would be the problem most of the time. (laughs) And yet, perhaps at the end of the week... I'll have changed somebody's life for eternity. And this got me thinking. So we went along to uh, the program, after all, (laughs) and it was only, you know, minutes into the program and I felt the conviction that this is where God wanted me to be. Um, The beauty of it is that God doesn't call you alone as a pastor or a married um, that you, when you're married and and mary felt the conviction too which was fantastic and so we went through the day we listened to everything that was said and then we went home and we made this a dedicated point of prayer and and god just answered he just answered the very the very next day he gave me the verse of the call of peter james and john and the verse that jumped out was luke five eleven. they left everything and followed him Wow. And I'd just reached a six-figure income. I'd just, you know, we'd been eight, eight years in the only house we'd ever owned and we'd, you know, sweat of our brow. We'd built the back of the house and the, done the yard and done all of these things. This was our place. And it wasn't a whole lot, but it was all we had. And God was saying, I want you to give that up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I got that answer from that verse, immediately I said, all right. Mm-hmm. All right, Lord, whatever you ask will lead uh, you lead will follow and we fully submitted in faith at this point you know we fully submitted in faith god answered all our questions that we had where we were going to go when we were going to go how long to stay before we left and finished went back to college and studied he opened the doors after college he gave us a job completely Mm. (laughs) out of the normal space of things and he just has opened doors every step of the way and it hasn't always been easy Mm. some things have been very challenging still But the faith in our life has been grounded in evidential actions. God's called. Mm -hmm. We've responded. We've asked every time for the direction. And to me, Mm -hmm. that's the key, Tabitha, to the challenges. Mm. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. We can't see the end of it. We can't see what is going to happen. But when we take a step with God in charge... We know 
we know that the best outcome is going to happen, even if it's challenging along the way. Mm. That's what I wanted to share. Mm. Thank you so much, um, David, for sharing that story with us. And from listening to your story, um, it seems like you're saying that when you look back on all those challenges you've been describing, um, you realize that God was using them to prepare you for the final huge step in faith. Yeah, absolutely, and and, I, and that's what I want to encourage our listeners with uh, with those um, challenges, challenge stories, is that um, God wants to use those little challenges if we'll let Him to prepare us for bigger ones that are coming, and there's some pretty big ones coming in the world. So as we take that step in faith in those little things, it builds our um, reliance on God and our encouragement to trust in Him, and then when the big things happen, we'll say, well, He helped with that, He's going to help with this, and it will help our stress levels. Today what I want to show is how the series that I've shared on the amazing love of God connects with this one on the, the, the coming King to show an accurate picture, an accurate picture of the amazing love of this coming King. But first, how about you ask the listener question and then we can have a break. Mm. Yeah, just to remind our listeners, um, David, did you did uh, one series um, titled Amazing Love and mm. you've been doing, most recently you've been doing um, this series, The Coming King. So you want mm. to merge them I want together. to merge them together and show you how they join. Mm. And why we did one and then the other. Yeah, and um, just to remind our listeners that you can also catch up on the previous episodes, all the 32 episodes that we've done in each uh, day of the week on the Faith FM app or the Faith FM website, and you can also listen to the live ones from there. And our show number is 0488-880-891. Um, you can text us any questions, any comments, and any responses to this question that I'm about to ask. Um, does anyone have an experience of when something they were looking forward to was even better in reality than what they imagined? Perhaps you like to share... Um, your responses to that question, um, let us know on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. And drawing from David's story um, or experience that he shared with us, we're going to listen to a first song, "My Faith Has Found a Resting Place" by Mark Miller. Oh 
his precious blood he shed for me his life he made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. That was My Faith Has Found a Resting Place by Mark Miller. And you're listening to Tazz Encounters with David Maxwell. And uh, he's presenting the topic of the amazing love of the coming king. And before we went for a break, we asked the listener question. Um, do you, or does anyone have an experience where... Um, when something they were looking forward to was even better in reality than what they imagined. Um, text us your responses to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. And for our free offer for today is the book um, Glimpses of Our God. That's by Joe and Davidson. And we'll give you more information later on. Um, so, David, as we're looking at your closing live closing live program, we'll still have <laughs> programs on our Faith FM, but mm. this is the final live one for the year Um, Mm. and this program is the amazing love of the coming king and in today's presentation you said that we're going to look at how your previous series amazing love linked into the coming king which is the Mm. series you you finished last week Um, can you expand on what you mean by this please yeah no worries Tabitha So, so last week I finished that series the coming king talking about friend or foe, that the king was coming. And when he comes, we are going to be on one side or the other. We're going to be on his side or we're going to be against him. And we need to be his friend or we'll be his foe. We don't have a choice with that. Mm-hmm. And this this program, I want to show why we looked at his amazing love first and how that links into that um, the recap of being on the right side and how important that is and how that uh, all those things that happen beforehand uh, before he comes highlight his love so we have a proper understanding of what he expects what he wants and what he does for us so i want to tie those two together um, today Um, first we'll have a prayer and then i'd like to read romans 8 uh, 9 to 19 i'll get you to read it actually but uh, let me have a prayer for us first Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are coming soon. We thank you that you have displayed your incredible, amazing love to us. And we pray that you would open your word and show it again today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, Tabitha, in the New Living Translation version, could you read Romans 8, 9 to 19 for me, please? Sure. But you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, 
And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give you life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Mm. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba, Father. For His Spirit joins with our spirits to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, Together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. What a powerful section of the Bible. Mm. <clears throat> As you read, read through that, I was picking up on so many things. Thank you so much, Tabitha. So uh, the things that jumped out at me there was we are, weak, we are called the sons of God if we have come to him, if we have accepted him, if we are following him. And, and what we suffer now is nothing compared mm. to the glory he will reveal to us later. There's another verse that says, "Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. We, it hasn't even entered into our minds the things that God has prepared for those who love Him." And I think that's a fabulous verse because I can imagine some pretty amazing things, as I've said in the past, Tabitha. Mm-hmm. You know, a farmer actually, a good farmer, knows that to reap a good crop. Mm-hmm. He's got to plant at the right time. He's got to water correctly. He's got to spray for weeds, pests, uh, and and look after the crop for the whole season. Uh, you know, I often see them walking through the crop, picking um, um, picking a stalk or picking some of the um, produce. Yeah, sometimes picking weeds, but mainly, you know, they're testing the crop to see how is it going. Does it need more of this? Does it need more of that? Is it filling out properly? Um, and when when the harvest is ready, they don't wait. I, I see them with their lights on, harvesting all through the night sometimes as we're driving from one place to another. So if the farmer kind of said, you know, he, he's got to put a lot of effort, a lot of time, um, sometimes got to be a bit harsh with the crop and make sure it uh, it's getting... Um, Getting, getting what it needs. But if the farmer actually sat back one year and said, you know, I think I've been a bit hard on this crop. Um, this year, I think I'll just let it do, it, do its own thing. Mm. And so he goes out one day, whenever he felt like, didn't worry about whether it's going to rain or not, just threw all, the, threw all the seeds out on the ground, didn't even prepare the crop or anything. What do you, what do you think? And then sat back for the whole year and just left it. Mm. What do you think would happen to the crop? He won't have any produce. <laughs> he, 
he might be lucky to get a little bit, but yeah. he's going to have a pretty poor crop, and I think mm. the bank will come knocking on his door. It, it might seem harsh that he's always checking it, he's measuring the soil nutrients, timing the extra watering, doing all those things that need to be done, but it's actually necessary to do those things if he wants a good crop. Mm. And, you know, I see the same being true when I look at our God, being our good shepherd. You know, we, we went through that very early in the piece this year. He was our good shepherd, and he, he puts in a lot of time and care and attention into raising and leading his, inverted commas, sheep. That's us. You know, first of all, to have us survive for any length of time, without, you know, really our physical needs have to be met. And God provides those things that are necessary for our life and for our well-being. We see that in Psalms 23 and verse 1 and a number of other places as well. As we follow him, we find, as we discovered, we don't lack any good thing. Okay, sometimes he takes away the not so good things, but we don't lack any good things. Mm. He ensures we have the physical rest we need, the spiritual rest, uh, when we need it, how we need it, and sometimes even against our will. Uh, Psalms 23 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sometimes mm. he makes us lie down. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We need to have a break when we won't do it ourselves, because he, he cares about us. He cares about us. And if we let him and we're willing, he leads us where we need to go. This is what I've learned in my Christian walk as well. And then we learn things that we need to learn along the way. Psalms 23, 2 says that he leads us. He leads us as we follow him. He gradually re- fully restores us from the broken mess that we often are to what he desires for us to become. So not only does he do this morally, but spiritually as well, restoring our lost relationship with him. And that's a very important thing. We want that relationship to be restored. And God does it. He, he restores us. Um, as we are assailed by the devil and other challenges in life, he comforts, soothes, uh, protects us from those harmful influences, and he allows only what's beneficial to our growth. I'm going to come back to that point a little bit later on. And finally, as our righteous good shepherd, the King of kings and Lord of lords, coming back soon, he he's going to put our enemies to shame. He says in the Bible, um, don't repay evil for evil. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Mm. And he knows how to do it, even those who hate us. He knows how to work with them as much as possible. And, and it's really important. It's really important. But he's coming to vindicate our faith in him with life everlasting. We see that in Psalms 23, 5 to 6. I'll be forever, forever with the Lord. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that. Mm. Yeah, I think what you mentioned about God allowing what is beneficial to our growth, it's a very important point to note and remember because sometimes, you know, we don't know what is best for us. God knows what is best for us and sometimes we're really struggling and insisting but then God is like, no, this is not good for you. And when we learn to let God um, take control, then our life changes completely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and you know that's what we looked in Psalms twenty three. King David sharing this beautiful message of hope that shows a loving and a caring God. 
God knows what we need, where we're at, because he understands our sinful um, state as a human race. You know, he understands that. He also knows if we're going to be in happy, uh, you know, really happy in heaven and not repeat all the sinful mistakes that we've made as mankind down here, then we need to develop a distaste for sin and rebellion while we live here. Otherwise, if we, you know, if we do, you know, develop a, a taste for sin and a, and a desire for doing things our own way, then sin might happen again. And, and God doesn't want that. We certainly don't want that. So sometimes the experiences we go through uh, as we learn this are hard. But bear in mind what I read earlier. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Mm -hmm. And the point for me is, do we really trust our good shepherd? When when you raise a child, uh, when you raise a child well, um, that you they're exposed to both love and discipline. This is important. How you do the discipline is quite important as well. But the love is forgiving, understanding of their capacity or their capability to comprehend at whatever age they're at, and then you adjust that as they get older. Yeah, you give them patient love, uh, as much as parents can in this stressed-out world, but th- that, that's the kind of love you give. You, you are patient with the children, and you gently guide the child into right thinking and right living to be a positive impact on society. The necessary discipline that you administer along the way teaches them the results of consequence. And I think today, you know, that teaching is missing. You know, people are always blaming someone else because they haven't been taught consequence or cause and effect as they grow up. Mm. Every action has a reaction or a result and, and we must bear responsibility for the actions we do, good or bad, good or bad. Uh, but the discipline shouldn't be belittling, belittling and diminish their character. You know, it's got to build them up and shape the will, not break it. You don't want to break their will like a horse. You have to shape the will so that they are willing to obey authority. They are willing to listen to sound reason. So together, because of this, un- or because of this balance, we see an unbalance in the world. But uh, a well-raised child, we see this balance. The child learns to implicitly trust the parent and an unbreakable bond grows. Well, usually anyway. Mm. Well, that sounds ideal, David, but it doesn't always happen like that, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> you're right, you're right. But it, when, when we see the example, um, we see, well, the example shows me the depths of God's love because that is how he leads us. Okay, so when we see it done well, we say, oh, okay, that's, that's what I think it's looking like when God leads us and he does this because he does do it perfectly. Mm. We're going to go for another break and we're going to listen to this song, Spirit of the Living God by Audrey Essen. Business and 
Spirit of the Living God by um, Audrey Assad and you're listening to Thousand Counties with David Maxwell and I just want to remind our listeners of the listener question which um, just encourage our listeners to share an experience when something they were looking forward to was even better in reality than what they had imagined um, text us your responses to 048 and um, so David before the break, you were explaining how God leads, guides, teaches, and provides for us like a good shepherd does his sheep. How can we understand then where he, he's been through our history when many who have faithfully followed him were persecuted? That's a really good question, and it's a fair question, Tabitha, because people look at uh, many, many Christian um, um, people from the past and they say well if that's what happens when you're a Christian I'd rather just you know flow into the background not be seen or heard and I won't get persecuted 
<clears throat> Before the break, I was describing the implicit trust that a child often has of their parent to know what they need and, and to provide it for them. And uh, some of our other presenters have also looked at, though, God is not the only one involved with mankind. This is why we need this implicit trust, because we also have an enemy who's been attacking God down through the ages, and he does that by attacking those who are faithful to God. We see this in a moment. We'll look in Job. However, what we do see through God's love down through the ages is God has overall control of what Satan can and can't do. And God limits what he's able to do for those who put their trust and their lives in God's hands. For those who don't want anything to do with God, well, they find that they've got to fend for themselves uh, against this very crafty and powerful foe. And we read this in Job, uh, Job chapter 1. I'd like to go to Job chapter 1 and just read a couple of verses quickly. Mm-hmm. Job chapter 1 and verse 9. I'm going to read from the New King James, read 9, 11, 9 to 12. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has? On every side you have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So what we see here is is, uh, Satan coming into this council as as earth representative and he says um, God says to him where are you from oh, I, I come from up and down on the earth that's my domain and and God is saying have you considered job he's not under your domain is he and 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 Satan is saying to God well well he is but but you take away all your protection that's the only reason he's following you you're unfair you're protecting him from me you're not giving me a chance to use my rulership on him like I do for everyone else on the earth take away your protection actually he says you reach out and hurt him and you watch he'll curse you and God won't be pulled into that he says no I'm not going to do that he says But here's the limits of what you can do. Mm. You can take all that stuff. You can do what you want, but you can't touch him. And at the end of that experience, we see that it's not God doing the harm. He allows Job to go through a degree of suffering. Why? Well, there's a number of reasons. There's a number of reasons why he allows that. Firstly, it's to strengthen his character to better understand God. And right at the end, after all of this testing, I see in Job 42, 5 and 6, Job says, after God has addressed him very specifically, and they've they've spent 35 chapters of this book um, talking about what they think about God from a human perspective. And God turns around and says, after all of that, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And he clarifies a few things, or quite a few things. And and when, when Job hears this, Job says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So God has corrected his understanding. He's strengthened his character. He's grown to understand God and the nature of God and the love of God so much more. 
So uh, down in verse 8, we see, Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls, seven rams. Go to my servant Job. God is speaking to his friends. Offer uh, offer an offering for your sins. And my servant Job will pray that I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly. You've not spoken of me what is right, but my servant Job has. So God had had been helping to correct the misunderstandings they had in their generations. And thirdly, so that all future generations would know where to lay the blame for the bad things that have happened. And we see that in uh, Job 1 and Job 2. We see that it's Satan who does the attacking, Satan who does all those things. You know, there's a story in history that reminds me of this. On the night of July 1964 AD, so July 19. 64 AD, not 1964. Rome caught fire and quickly spread, fanned by the wind that uh, that, that that was blowing that night. Uh, spread the fire right across the whole city. When the fire was extinguished many days later, that's how long it, it took to, to be put out, mm-hmm. very little was left of the original pomp and, and glory of some parts of the city. To cover his crime, Nero b- blamed the Christians for starting the fire, and this strange new sect was already disliked by the Romans, uh, many of the Romans anyway, and so this savage persecution of the Christians uh, started and went on for many years, and it was devastating to early Christians. However, as Many historians have reviewed what happened and looked at the the real background to the story. They discovered that the Christians had nothing to do with the fire at all. Nero actually started the fire himself, or rather he commissioned people to go and do it, paid them to do it, so that he'd be able to get this clear enough room to build a new palace. The Senate wouldn't approve him demolishing a whole bunch of houses to build this great big um, golden palace, so he set the the city on fire to do it. So, uh, you know, when we we get to know the truth of the matter, um, when we've got all the facts, like with the story of Job and Adam and Eve that we see in the Bible, the history of Lucifer or Satan as we know him now, we learn where the bad, the trouble, the sin and all those things stem from and who's really responsible. And that's important. Mm. That's important. Down through the ages, God has been demonstrating his love, his amazing love for all that follow him faithfully. Um, and I haven't got the time to look all these verses up, but starting in with Adam and Eve, I just want to mention a couple. Mm. With Adam and Eve, after they've sinned, God changes their desires. He changes the de- desire of a woman for her husband so she'd be more fully bound to him. And the man's role becomes now one of a protector of her. So he's not ruling forcefully over her. He's protecting her like a, a weaker vessel, like a, a, a special piece of china, if you like. Together he realises they'll be stronger than if they are apart. And so he changes this behaviour of each of them to each other. God says to Noah to make an ark. And he, when, when he gets all the instructions to Noah and Noah makes it completely, he keeps them safe for over a year on this ark. The Lord appears to Abraham more than once, gives him encouragement, direction, tells him what to do and, and, and how, to, how to live. And it's not just in a dream. It's not just in a dream. God comes to him physically, physically. Um, God appears to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 
Um, Jacob even wrestles with God. God God appears to Moses in a form, in a bush. Uh, Other places in Exodus, it says he, he spoke to Moses face to face like a man speaks to a friend mm. there's too many there's too many instances of God spending time with human all humans all the way through the Old Testament there's Aaron Nadab Abihu 70 of the elders Gideon Joshua Shadrach Meshach Abednego Daniel many many others and in nearly all these cases of these verses that I have if you're interested text me and I can send them to you um, it wasn't just a voice they saw but they saw a being identified in the Bible as a man. Although from Exodus 33.20, we know it wasn't God the Father because God the Father says to Moses as he's speaking to him in the, in the cloud, he says, uh, no one can see my face and live. So the being they were seeing, though, clearly from the texts, is still God. They mm. saw God. It was very clear. And, and, and this, as we've come to understand it, is God the Son. God the Son, or as we know him today, Jesus. You know, God has never left us alone, never left us alone, all the way down through history. He didn't just create the world and step back and let it, you know, continue on, leave us in the mess that we're in. But he's been present, not just distantly, but intimately and personally, walking physically on this earth, God the Son, walking on this, on this earth, being present in the lives and the challenges that they faced. Um, so, David, you're saying that these things would have been much worse if God hadn't intervened and limited Satan's power and, uh, yeah, on their, uh, and their attacks on us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It would have been much worse. You know, Satan would have been able to do whatever he wants. But rather than focus on how bad things could be after the break, let's look at what God has in store for those who trust him and follow him. Mm. Indeed. And for a book of, uh, which is uh, called Glimpses of a God by Joe and Davidson, um, in this book, if you have been able to fully comprehend God, you have comprehended something else instead of God. If we have been able to comprehend him in our thinking, we have been deceived ourselves. Mm-hmm. All this study of God must come from our hearts and minds, trained in humility by those who realize the enormity of the task and their place as creatures before God. We can speak safely of God only on our knees. In this book, um, the author paints a vivid word pictures of a holy God. She states, unless a person is truly faced with God's piercing holiness, there will never be an adequate understanding of the radical emergency of the fall or how horrifying sin truly is, nor will there be an accompanying appreciation of the equally radical action that the holy God makes to remedy human sinfulness. Ultimately, the more we know God, the more our love for him will deepen and intensify, leading to adoration and worship on a grander label. Um, This is a very beautiful book. We'll give you the code after the break. Our next song is You Are Loved by Red Collective. Just to see us through, but to renew 
And you are love, Lord, and your ways testify. You are love, Lord, and perfectly defined through the suffering our joy. We will confide in your Mindful of questions and a future unclear, but your perfect love scatters fear. Cause your will is to build up and not to harm, but to complete us. You are love, Lord, and your ways testify. Suffering our joy, we will confide in your perfect love. In your perfect love, it's time to stretch these legs of faith and run into this unknown with, with truth. Of your love for us. You are love, Lord. You are love, Lord. Perfectly defined through the suffering or joy. program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You are loved by Rent Collective and you're listening to Taz Encounters with David Maxwell. And before we went for a break, I promised to give you the code to um, claim this book offer, which is Glimpses of Our God by Joe and Davidson. And the code is King 13, King 13, text that to 0488-880891. And there are only five copies um, available. So we'll get... Give them to the first people to text in. Um, before the break, David, you mentioned that God has never left mankind alone, but has been intimately involved in our history and trials. Um, do you have anything else to share before we finish off today? Yes, yes. And, and I love that song, the way you came back in and repeated the title, You Are Loved. That That is just so true. That's what we're trying to share through this series, that every person is loved. And God has been very closely involved in our history uh, throughout mankind's history, and he clearly still is. Um, God has a love that never ends. That's what I want to outline now. And, and, and there's a, a verse in the Bible 
that was penned by, under inspiration, was penned by one of Jesus' closest disciples, John. And it says that he who does not love does not know God because God is love, 1 John 4, 8. It, this, this verse doesn't say God is loving, although he is. It says he is that thing called love. He is love. Now, we know what his amazing love looks like because of his actions towards us. The love displayed to us through what Jesus came and did for mankind sums it up really well. And um, when, we, when we see this in John three sixteen to 17, it's explained like this, for God so loved the world. So he, this is the love that he had for everyone who lives in the world. He evidenced it, he showed it, by giving us his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish. They don't have to be condemned to death, um, but they have everlasting life, or they can have everlasting life. For God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn. Jesus didn't come to punish Jesus came to save, that the world might be saved through him. You know, this is, this is really, really uh, fabulous that we can see this evidence of God's amazing love. So that way we understand what it's all about. Just look at Jesus, look at his life, what it, look what he did for us, took our sicknesses, healed us, and then gave us a path back to God um, so that we could be with him forever. It also shows that he wants us to be with him forever. And Jesus himself reiterates this. He's getting ready to leave towards the end of, of the book of John. And uh, in this gospel, uh, the people, the, the, the disciples are worried. Those who are around him, he's talking about leaving. And, and he can see they're worried, so he says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place, and if I go... I'll come back and I'll receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. This is a desire that God has to be with us, to have us with him. But then he also promises, just a little bit further on in that same chapter, he says, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you orphans. When I go, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. So you will have another comforter, comforter just like me. So, you know, Jesus is promising to come back here, and he's coming back. But when he comes back, he wants us to be ready to receive him. You know, a good parent knows that a child might be um, lazy a little bit, you know, when they're not around. So what they do is they warn the children of when they're coming home. I'm going to be home at 5 o'clock and sets the rules. I would like you to have this done, this done, this done, this done. So that when the parent comes home, they find everything in place and in order and they're happy. They don't have to punish the child. You know, there's there's not been a disobedience there. And so they want to catch them doing right rather than catching them doing wrong. So they warn them ahead of time. And the same is true for God. God is the ultimate image of what love is. And God would rather have us prepared than surprised. As we read in Exodus, no one can see the Father, um, the, you know, the Father and live. No one can see him in our, in our sinful, unholy state. But he wants us to be with him anyway. He doesn't want us to suffer destruction. God is the only one who's eternal. 1 Timothy 1.17. You'll see where I'm going in a moment with this. God's title is the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible. 1 Timothy 6.15 calls him the blessed and only potentate, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, 
who alone has immortality. God's eternal. He wants us to be with him eternally as well. So if God is eternal, all his characteristics are eternal as well, which means love is eternal. God's love is eternal. Um, to, to explain what's happening when Jesus returns yeah. is a bit like being told to put sunscreen on, right? The sun's hot. Mm. You get in the middle of summer, you go outside, it will burn you if your sin is susceptible. Um, if your sin is badly susceptible, you'll probably get melanomas. Mm. So the government, they might be financially motivated, I don't know, but the government says um, put the sunscreen on to stop yourself getting burnt. It's up to you whether you put the sunscreen on or not. You are going to go out in the sun. Mm. And regardless of whether it's on or whether it's off, the sun's going to keep shining and you'll either get burnt or you won't get burnt. The same thing is true when Jesus returns. God the Father is going to be with him. God the Father is going to be with him. And we cannot stand alone in our sinful self without some protection. Jesus has offered to be that protection. Jesus has offered to protect us, to change us, to cover us with his righteousness, to cover up our sin. And it's up to us whether we choose to accept that or not. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 3-8, his return is described as coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who don't know God. And people misunderstand that. Because it's also described in 2 Thessalonians 2, 8, just the next chapter, as being destroyed by the brightness of his coming. Now that's different from coming and attacking vengefully, okay? But he is going to destroy wickedness. He's going to destroy sin. Sin will be consumed in his presence because he's a holy God. And so he says to everyone who lives on earth, stop building your habits of loving sin. Let it go. Get rid of it. Come to me. Be changed. Be transformed. So that when I come you'll be ready to stand in my presence because I'll be covering you and you'll be ready. You'll be safe. Mm. God warns us. He promises first that we can't, that he's coming back. He warns us that we can't stand before him if we're filled with sin. He provides the opportunities for us to accept the great offer of substitution both now and forever. But we have to choose. He's going to remove sin when he comes. He's promised to do that. He wants us to be on the right side. Mm. He wants us to prepare to meet your God, as it says in Amos 4.12. Jesus is coming, whether we're ready or not. But through his amazing love, he's done everything possible so each one of us can be ready and prepared. If you, if, if you haven't chose him today, start today on that preparation start today and and if you would like to find out how to do that and you would like some contact and follow up text in uh, a note on that um, show number 0488880891 and ask for some follow-up ask for someone to get in contact with you and we'll make sure someone gets in contact with you Hmm, indeed. Um, thank you, David, for that powerful sharing. And just to mention that this is our final live program, but our presenters will be going on a break until next year. But we'll still have Thursday Encounters programs broadcasting. So we encourage our listeners to stay, still stay tuned every weekday at 9 a.m. And for those listening in Tasmania, um, stay tuned at 4.30 p.m. as well. And um, just to remind our listeners of uh, the code to claim today's offer, which is the book Glimpses of Our God. Um, 
the code is king 13 king 13 no space in between text that to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one and we only have five copies of that uh the book left thanks david um for the program mm. you've shared with us this year we hope you have a good and safe break and we look mm. forward to catching up with you again in the new year thanks so much much tabitha i really enjoyed being with you and with jason for the year Mm, thank you to all our listeners for joining us um, for your feedback for your interaction for your questions we thank you for your inputs um, you've had um, big impacts on our programs and we hope you have your blessed and safe over the Christmas and New Year season and we look forward to touching base with you again in the new year when our presenters return Um Wherever you are, enjoy the rest of your day and um, yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> God bless. God bless you. <laughs> 